Hey, smart mamas. Welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits. Relationships, finance, mental health, work. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way, or way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Hey, Smart Mamas. Welcome back to another episode of Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups. I am here with Lacey. Hello. And today we have a special guest, Leisha Drews. She is a women's health educator with a passion for holistic women's health care. Leisha's going to talk to us today kind of about our bodies, our hormones, our cycle, what's normal, what's abnormal, and kind of how to troubleshoot our hormone issues. I know it's a hot topic in our group that we are always asking questions about it. So we got a specialist with us today to kind of help us figure out those issues. So Leisha, welcome to the show. Yeah. So I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to talk to you. And I know for myself, I've just getting off breastfeeding and I've just finished breastfeeding my third baby. And so there's a lot of hormone issues, you know, or not issues, but just like things happening, you know, there's, you have a baby, you stop, you know, and then you go back and forth a few times and then your body's like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Like what is normal? And so I'm super excited to have you on the podcast and talk to you about this. So why don't you just kick us off and tell us who you are, what you're all about and, you know, what is your, you know, your zone of genius? Yeah, absolutely. So I am an RN and I worked in critical care in the hospital for almost 10 years before transitioning into more of the holistic functional health space. And the reason that I did that is because I just found that I saw a lot of patients coming back again and again, and just kind of like, I wasn't able to give them the help that I wanted in really being able to stay well. And I was, I've always been really interested in nutrition. And so going through some of my own hormone imbalances in the past and things like migraines and really weird periods and just kind of like all of these things that are fairly common in women. And then some, some health issues that came up in my daughter too, and just kind of really not getting like, I feeling like I got full answers for what I really needed. I was able to spend some time doing my own research because I had my background as a nurse and some understanding of health and have found some alternative ways to really get to the root cause of different Um, health problems that we face. And so I now work with women specifically in the hormone space to really help them recover from things like bad periods, really low energy, and just really like all the things that we kind of count as normal as a mom at this point, right? That like, it's normal to have mood swings. It's normal to be tired all the time. And I really found that that's not true and that we can feel better. And so I just have a really big heart for mamas and a passion to help them really like recover postpartum and feel really great so that they have energy and they can feel present with their kids because these years are so precious, right? And so I am a mama also. I have a 
six-year-olds, almost three-year-olds, and then one on the way in September. So oh, congratulations. we're really excited for that. Yeah. I feel like this like third baby really like pushes me over into like legit motherhood, right? <laughs> 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 who knows? But that's, that's kind of where, yeah, that's kind of who I am and where I come from. Well, like I'm listening to you talk and you're like, ah, you can, you can be a mom and have energy and you just have to be tired all the time. And I'm like, what? Like, wait a minute. Like you're like, this is like a unicorn thing here. <laughs> I don't know what mm-hmm. kind of sorcery is this? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. What kind of witchcraft? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Because everybody feels that way. Yeah. So what are some of the like main things you see at baseline? Like when women come to you and say, these are the issues that I'm having, what are their issues? And then how how do you fix it? Yeah, so... Like I said, I work with moms. And so a lot of the issues that I see are things like low energy, maybe trouble losing weight after babies, really just having like either really bad periods or weird periods or irregular periods, or maybe secondary infertility. There's like all of these different things. And I think it comes back to some really basic things and also some really like deep and specific things. So we've got like both levels, but I see a lot of the time that our culture has really just taught moms that we don't, we shouldn't expect to feel good. And so with that being said, like, if you shouldn't expect to feel good, then why would you work towards that? Right. And so I think that the baseline of feeling like you have to just give everything as a mom all the time, and that you're only a good mom, if you're sacrificing, you know, like every part of your life, then with that kind of like underlying messaging that we have programmed in. Mm -hmm. It's really, really hard to feed ourselves well. It's hard to get enough sleep. It's hard to do like anything that could be classified as some sort of self-care because everyone else's needs come first. And so I see that as one big part of the issue that, that usually moms have some level of that, right? Or some piece of that. And then also there's a lot of changes in hormones obviously through kids. And a lot of us have had like years of birth control for different reasons before. And so our hormones are different than they used to be. And it can come back a lot of times to some root causes, like things like liver dysfunction or gut imbalances that aren't generally really like dug into when you go to the OB doctor for period problems. And I found that really being able to find and address some of those things has been a huge game changer, even in the areas of, um, like mood and energy and things like that. So I think postpartum depression screening is important. Mm -hmm. But the questionnaire that you fill out, so our pediatrician and my daughter just turned one, so I just completed a full year of this, has you fill out a postpartum depression screening for every visit you go to for, so every like couple of weeks, every three months, all of that, all the way through to the year. And they have you fill out this screening form. And one of them is like, do you feel tired or have no energy? And I was like, this is the dumbest question because of course I do, because I'm taking care of a baby. <laughs> like, And right. so, you know, I just kind of expected that yeah, the answer is going to be, yes, I am tired and have no energy because I have a baby. And so you're saying that it doesn't have to be that way though. Right. No, I really think that it doesn't. And with that being said, you know, I understand babies, like sometimes they're not the best sleepers and things, you know, like there's going to be contributing factors, but I still believe that with appropriate nourishment, nourishment is a word that I like to use a lot. I think that 
there are different pieces of that. It's not all food, but then it's looking at those other pieces too. Like, is my sleep the best that it can be in this season, right? Is my nourishment, my food, the best that it can be in this season? Not perfect. We're always looking for progress over perfection, but like, is it truly the best that it can be? Or am I settling? Because number one, I'm overwhelmed by all the information and I don't really know what to do with it nutrition wise. Or number two, like maybe I just, you know, haven't focused on this because it's really easy to not focus on yourself and to just kind of think like, oh, well, you know, I've given birth to all these babies and I'm superwoman. So I can get by for however long I have to, because this is just normal. And so I really think that like the underlying piece that we start with is kind of a mindset shift of it doesn't have to be this way. And we're going to work towards something better. And it's, it can be doable as a mom. And I can say that from experience with myself and then with plenty of other mamas who have a full life and lots of things going on, you know, who aren't just taking their kids to the babysitter and going to the spa all day. Right. Because that's most of us, most of us are not doing that. Yeah. So Leisha, what is your typical quote unquote normal cycle and flux of hormones? How is it supposed to be? Yeah. So with, with kind of like a monthly cycle, a lot of us have, you know, somewhere between 28 to 35, 26 to 35 ish days is kind of like a typical period. Anything that is like, I say period, a typical monthly cycle, anything that's like a lot shorter than that or much longer than that is probably going to be outside of that normal. So I'm going to use a month as our basis because that's usually where most of us are with the cycle. And I always get questions too, like, well, I'm breastfeeding, so I don't have a cycle yet or I'm postpartum, so I don't have a cycle yet. So does this apply to me? And especially if you're breastfeeding and your cycle will be coming back within the next six months or so, this definitely does apply because you're still going to have some fluctuations in your hormones. And so you, I can actually give you some info to link to, but you can actually start to use these principles that I'm going to share and cycle with the moon as much as that sounds very like woo-woo and like what in the world are you talking about? It does give you the chance to kind of live your life a little bit more according to a cycle that would be normal for you. And there is some truth to it that in the past when we were more connected with nature, basically didn't have so much artificial light that we would cycle with the moon more often. And so there really is something natural about the way that the moon works and the water in our bodies and like all of those things. So I think that that just, if you're postpartum breastfeeding, don't shut this off because you don't have a cycle right now. This is still really helpful information. So what a normal hormone cycle looks like is at the beginning of the cycle, it's going to be the day that your period starts and your estrogen and your progesterone levels at that time are at their very lowest level of the whole cycle. And so with that being said, that first whole week of your cycle, generally the time that you're bleeding is a week that your brain actually is most connected between the right and the left sides of your brain. And so while you might feel some lower physical energy that during that time, and even more of like an introverted, less social energy, it is a time that your brain still is like very well connected and it can be a time that you can use really well, even though maybe physically you're not feeling like going out and doing all the things. It's actually a really, really good time for things like planning and analysis. So I really love to encourage women who are, you know, staying at home with their kids 
that this is maybe the time that you kind of like do your planning for the month, whether that's meal planning or scheduling or like, you know, all the things that moms do. But if you're working or if you have your own business, just realizing like this time of the month is when you might be most productive in that way. And also knowing that this time of the month, like even if you are an extrovert, you might have more of that introverted energy and need a little bit more space to yourself. And that's okay. And that doesn't make you a bad wife or mom or anything. It just means like that's where you are in your cycle right now. And it usually will change within a few days. So that first part of your cycle, um, during that first week, both of your hormones are low. And then the second part of your cycle, the second week of your cycle, estrogen starts to rise. And so as estrogen rises leading up to ovulation, we see a big increase usually in kind of that social energy. And as estrogen rises, you have an egg that's maturing inside of your ovaries, inside of the follicle. And as those, there's actually multiple eggs that will start to mature, but one egg will be ovulated generally. And so as the estrogen rises and signals your other hormones to come toward ovulation, like I said, that social energy rises. And this is usually the time that women will actually be seen as most magnetic and most attractive because this is a time where you are most fertile, which is really interesting. And this is also the time where libido is generally highest. And so during this week is a really great time to be kind of like on the stage of your life, whatever that looks like for you. So maybe as like a stay-at-home mom, maybe that's like, this is the week you're going to like do the birthday party or the play dates or like all the things that take a lot of social energy. Um, maybe this is when you're going to plan date night with your husband. Maybe this is if you're a working mom, like you're going to do more like showing up in front of people or the camera or like whatever that is for you. Just thinking about how that can work for your life. This can be a really powerful tool to actually understand where you can be most productive and where you can feel best. And it allows us to not beat ourselves up so much when we feel like we should be doing something, but it's not what we like necessarily feel like doing. Um, And so this ovulation phase, a lot of times you'll have kind of higher, not only social energy, but physical energy as well. So this might be the time of the month that you can like hit it harder in the gym or that you can get more done at work or that you're just kind of like really, really on and you feel really good. Um, And then usually as you get to ovulation, which is usually somewhere right around the middle of the month, it's not always day 14, but it's close-ish to that. Once ovulation occurs, then estrogen has dropped off at that point. It usually drops off about a day before. And so you'll have lower estrogen for the next week, but progesterone rises. And so that little follicle that I mentioned that is holding the egg that will be ovulated actually collapses and becomes a little temporary organ that produces progesterone for the rest of your cycle. I just think that's such a cool little piece that like your body has this temporary organ to produce one specific hormone for half of your cycle, right? And so you'll have a big spike in progesterone and generally that will stay high until the end of your cycle at this point. So week three, a lot of times you will have like a little bit more of kind of a calm productive energy versus this more like high, high social energy, like week two. And so week three, again, is a really good time to be able to still communicate and collaborate, but also to kind of like get things checked off of your list. If you've made plans in the beginning of your cycle, then this is a really good time to kind of like slowly and steadily continue with some of those things that you've been working on. 
And then this is a really great week for communication. So if you have important conversations that you need to have, this is a really important or like a really good time for that. Especially if you tend to have like PMS symptoms and mood changes around PMS, then this is a really good time to get some of those conversations out of the way before that happens for you. So week three, we can often still have like pretty high physical energy and still be able to work out a little bit harder or, you know, have longer days of activity while still feeling good. And then when we switch into week four, really more towards the very end of week four is the most common. Some women do have longer periods where they feel more of the low energy, but usually within the few days before your period, you'll kind of switch more back into that introverted energy again. And this can come with lower physical and emotional energy. So it can be a little bit more of a low mood, but it can be lower physical energy where like if a week before you did a certain like really hard workout and then the next week you tried to do that same thing again, it may not feel as good and you may not be able to get through it as much. And there's nothing wrong with you. It just means your body's doing something else right then. And since it's preparing for your period and preparing to shed that um, uterine lining and your hormones are changing, you just may not have the same level of physical energy. So I really, really love to bring awareness to that, that towards the end of your cycle, like you may get back to the point where you need more time to yourself. If you're feeling a little bit more irritable and needing, you know, less, less of that social interaction then that's okay. And that's something that you can actually plan for. So if you're listening to this and like, well, okay, like I've never heard of any of this, but like, where do I start? I recommend at the end, first of all, figuring out where you are in your cycle so you can do this. Not the yeah, I was just doing the math. Like as you were talking, I was like, okay, and where is this happening now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which part so am I in? <laughs> figure out where you are. And then even if you're, if you're somewhere in the second half of your cycle or almost there, I would even plan for this week as your first step. But if you're getting close to this, then actually implementing it right away. But just figuring out like, okay, usually for me, three to four days before my period, I would feel a little more tired. I would feel a little like less like I want to go do things and maybe just like really feel like I snapped with my kids a lot sooner. So what I'm going to do is actually preemptively schedule some self-care for for whatever that is that I need. And so the question that I love to recommend asking yourself during this phase is what do I need? Like literally what do I need right now? Like if you have a lot of emotions happening or if you're feeling really tired or you're feeling overwhelmed, this is another, this is a time in your cycle that actually like comparison can come in a lot, like overwhelm and then comparison and just feeling like you're not measuring up. And until I really started like understanding, thinking with my cycle, I knew that that came up for me, but I didn't know why or where or when <laughs> it, it was really helpful to realize, okay, I'm feeling like everything in my life is in the toilet right now, but I felt just like this last month. And two days later, it was okay. It's all okay. So I don't have to reevaluate everything in my life. I just need to ask myself like, okay, what do I actually need right now? And so going back to the scheduling piece, I would actually tell my husband, okay, so this is like when I know I need it is like three and four days before my period. So on this certain day, I'm going to tell you now, two weeks ahead, like when you get home, I need you to take the kids and I'm going to go take a bath. I'm going to take a walk by myself. I'm going to go to bed early, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be fancy. And then just looking at that, like what would feel the best to me in that moment? 
And then even the next day, like maybe you don't schedule all the activities you normally would schedule. And during nap time, you take a nap with your kids just that one day, because a lot of times just creating that space can actually make a really big difference in mood PMS symptoms, especially because you're just going to feel a little less overwhelmed, a little less tired, a little less cranky if you schedule that for yourself. And hopefully as you're listening, you're thinking about like what that actually could look like for you because it's going to look different for everybody. But just thinking about like where that is for you in your cycle and what you could realistically schedule and then just not skipping that because that is one of the first steps in like acknowledging what you need and then really asking for it, asking for help with whoever needs to help you to make that happen. So... When there's a lot, actually, there's a lot of different pieces that we can talk about with thinking with your cycle. We can talk about nutrition. We can talk about exercise, which I just very briefly touched on. But I think that starting to just identify some of the emotions and identifying little self-care tips throughout the cycle can be really helpful as a starting place for sure. I wanted to ask, how does it look if you're on birth control? How does your cycle differ from the normal you know, ebb and flow? Is it just kind of a blanket cycle without changes or? Yeah. So with birth control, I almost picture it as basically like the, at the very beginning of the cycle, like instead of seeing a big surge in estrogen and then a big surge in progesterone, you pretty much see just both of those stay at a, at a low level for the whole cycle. And then they drop off when you stop taking the pills for a few days so that you can have your bleed. It's not actually a real period when you bleed on birth control, it's more of a withdrawal bleed, which is just, it's just a little bit different, but you're not actually going through this hormone cycle of building up your endometrial lining and ovulating and then shedding your endometrial lining because your lining is just going to pretty much stay the same because you're just, you're just getting like a really low level of hormones the whole time. And so you may, some women tell me that they still notice some of these changes like when they maybe would be getting close to ovulation, like their body is still trying to do some of these things. But for the most part, you wouldn't necessarily notice these same changes when you're on birth control. So it'd be something that you could experiment with for yourself. If you're listening and you're like, huh, I wonder, like start tracking, you know, you know, about which you should know pretty well where you are in your cycle. Um, if you're taking, you know, the pills, cause you'll be able to count those. If you have an IUD, it might be a little bit harder. Um, And I know sometimes with an IUD, you won't have a period at all or like with a depot or things like that. But just kind of if you are on something that you can generally figure out what your cycle would be, then you could start to just track your mood a little bit, track your symptoms a little bit and see if you notice any changes that you could then predict and then be able to plan your life around versus feeling like what in the world is going on. This whole concept of like planning your life, not around your cycle as much as like with your cycle and using like, not as a like weakness, but as a strength and like, okay, like this is the time I'm going to be best suited doing this is like just such a foreign concept, but it, I love it. Like, I love this idea. Yeah. So our world is basically built on men's cycles because men go through a 24 hour hormone cycle. And so with that being said, like we're basically based on a 24 hour cycle and we do have, you know, things that are like weekly and monthly kind of in our culture, but for the most part, like it's pretty much like everything restarts every day. And 
that's not how women's bodies work, honestly. Like we do have certain things that restart every day. Like we generally have a cortisol pattern that is going to be high in the morning and then lower at night and melatonin that should be high at night and low in the morning, but that's not how our hormones work. And so our testosterone isn't high every morning like a man's. Our testosterone is high around ovulation and that's the time. And so I think just realizing, okay, so it's going to feel a little bit out of the norm to understand that my body doesn't necessarily work the same way a man's body does, which is how our world is based basically. And I I really like what you said, like kind of syncing your life with your cycle, not necessarily around your cycle where you're feeling like a lot of pressure to do it or like it's something that you're stuck with, but being able to actually, I really like being able to just kind of like realize where I'll be my best and where I might need some more grace for myself. Because I've found that if you know that's coming, you can handle it so much better, right? Um, And especially not even seeing it as a negative thing of like, okay, well, I know I'll be lower around my period, but like looking at like, I know I'm going to be on fire around ovulation. So like, what can I do with that? Right? Mm -hmm. Now we have a lot of, I hope that we don't have a lot, but I know that there are a lot of stressed out moms out there. Mm -hmm. First, like, can you speak to what happens when like stuff gets out of whack and kind of what that looks like and then how you can work to start correcting it back to a natural cycle. Yes. Okay. So as far as if your cycle is irregular specifically? Like your hormones are like not fluctuating like they should be. And so you just end up with like too much or not enough and that low energy and and just kind of, it doesn't ebb and flow like it should. Right. Exactly. So I love that you said like we have a lot of moms who are stressed out because I don't love that they're stressed out, but I hear you and I know that that's really common. And I just want to speak to that piece because one of the things that I really do with my clients is we try to help your body feel safe again, because there's so many things in our world, emotionally and physically that really don't allow for that feeling of safety within your body. And the truth is our bodies are really smart. And as women, we have a very big commitment when we get pregnant, right? Like we're committed that baby's <laughs> going to be in there for a long time. And then we're probably going to feed it with our bodies for a long time as well. And so with that being said, as women, our bodies know that when we don't feel safe, when we're depleted, when we're stressed the heck out and exhausted, it's not really safe to have a baby because it takes so much out of us. And so with that being said, really, of course, you know, it's not all about fertility, but you do want to have thriving fertility as a sign of health, even if you're done having babies, even if, you know, you don't want to have babies. And then I know there's the other side of people who really are struggling to get pregnant. And so I think this applies really to all women who are still cycling across the board that we want to get our bodies as much as possible to a place of feeling more safe. And so emotional stress is a big part of that. And when we have a lot of triggers for stress hormones in our body, whether that's emotional stress, whether that's things like blood sugar imbalances, which doesn't mean diabetes necessarily, just imbalances in our blood sugar, um, whether that's issues with toxins in your environment or just your liver not functioning as well as it could because of stress, because of chemicals, because of foods that aren't working for us. Like there's multiple different things. And the same thing with your gut, like there 
are multiple levels of things that can kind of build up in our bodies and create this overall picture of kind of like a stress cascade and kind of chaos in your organs and in your body overall. And with that being said, none of those things contribute to hormones being balanced because our bodies, again, going back to that piece of we have such a big investment when we get pregnant, if your body is trying to protect you, which is ultimately what it's doing in every case, it's not going to want you to get pregnant. And so that's where that those root causes of hormone imbalances come in some of the time is your body starts to dysregulate hormones when it's really not feeling safe. And so coming back to that place of safety, one of the first things that I like to look at with my mamas is look at nutrition. And so some like very simple things that I'll ask are, are you eating a diet that is whole foods, that you're not eating a lot of things that are processed or a lot of like fast food or a lot of things that are going to be chemicals in your food. And right, we all kind of know that, that like, okay, well, those things are bad. We shouldn't eat them, but maybe we still eat them anyway (laughs) because it's convenient. But just looking at like, how much of your life is that? Is that a lot? Is it a little? Does it feel like maybe it was just going to be a lot for a little while, but then it's actually been a couple of years or 10 years. So just looking at that, like, what is the quality of your food? And then also something that I think, especially for moms is so common is actually just like not eating consistently and not eating enough and or both or different combinations of that, because it's really easier to get up in the morning and not really eat anything and just run around for like seven or 10 hours and then realize you're starving because you haven't fed yourself, even though you fed your kids like six times already by like 10 (laughs) a.m. So just my kids. But just kind of like looking at your patterns, like do you normally like skip breakfast for a long time and maybe just go on coffee? Well, that increases your stress hormones um, when you're giving yourself caffeine, which will stimulate your cortisol, but you're on basically an empty tank. You don't have any fuel for that to burn. And so it increases your metabolism and then has to look for something to burn. And while that sounds like it might be good because you're like, well, maybe it'll burn some fat. So that probably is a good thing. It generally just kind of creates more of this feeling of decreased safety in the body because there's not enough, right? You don't have fuel in your tank. And so sometimes that can actually even contribute to weight gain in the long term. But with that being said, like, are you eating consistently? Are you eating something pretty soon after you wake up in the morning to help stabilize your blood sugar for the day and to tell your body that you're safe and you have what you need? And then are you eating like fairly consistently every three to four-ish hours throughout the day and eating something balanced, right? So if you're eating something that's just carbohydrates, so like just a donut because sometimes that happens um, or even just like some whole wheat toast, right? That's like maybe more healthy. When you're eating just carbs, you have a spike in blood sugar and then a drop. But when you're eating something that's a healthy carbohydrate option with some protein, you can use that carb energy, fat, that's fast energy, but then you have something to kind of like stabilize you along the way. So blood sugar issues can really be, I don't want to say like fixed or solved necessarily, but like really improved by just eating more consistently. And you'd be, excuse me, you'd be amazed at what a difference that can make in your energy and in your mood. Because when your body is like really trying to go on nothing, it's really easy to feel anxious and irritable because your blood sugar is low or because your body is used to running on fumes and your blood sugar might not necessarily be low, but you're still burning something that you shouldn't be burning um, for fuel. So that's one thing that I really look at first on kind of a baseline is like, 
Are you eating good food and are you eating it consistently and in a balanced way? So that's, that's one way that we can like start to make your body feel safe. And then I think that there's a lot of other, there's a lot of other lifestyle things that we can look at. And then sometimes functional testing is also necessary. So we can look at some of those deeper root cause issues, especially when maybe some of the other pieces are in place and you're like, but I take good care of myself and I, I eat well, I work out, sometimes I sleep, but I still feel terrible. <laughs> like then what? <laughs> I wanted to ask, sorry, kind of back up a little bit. Fasting is a big thing now. Yes, uh, I was going to ask about that too. New science behind fasting and how beneficial it is and stabilizes blood sugar. What do you think about that for hormone fluctuations? You know, I, there are so many opinions on fasting. And so I will give you my opinion. And I think that there are going to, it's going to be different for different people. Um, and I think that's really what I've come down to. But I would say in my experience with the group of people that I work with, which is young moms who have little kids who might be getting pregnant, pregnant, breastfeeding, couple years postpartum, busy in the throes of motherhood. I don't recommend fasting as a long-term solution. Um, I really find that generally we're undernourished as moms. And so fasting just almost adds to that. We feel like we're doing something to maybe like be healthier or lose weight. But with that being said, like we're putting out a ton of energy right? Mentally, physically, every day, we're putting out a lot of energy. And so when you are fasting a lot, fasting long-term, doing intermittent fasting, again, like there are studies that show that it doesn't really create that feeling of safety in the body. And with everything else on top of it that comes with motherhood, I find that for a lot of women, it really isn't sustainable long-term and that it can kind of contribute to things like lower thyroid function, lower metabolism, and kind of just, again, like those hormones are not necessarily going to be getting balanced from that. That makes sense. Yeah. So, and again, like that's my personal opinion. And there are a lot of like super smart researchers who have done a lot of research on fasting and I've read some of it and I found it to be very, you know, I don't have, I don't have a big argument for it. But what I will say is my argument that I do have is what I've seen in myself and other moms in this stage. For most, it does not seem like it is helping them feel their best. Now, I wanted to ask you, I've seen a lot lately about adrenal fatigue and mm -hmm. like adrenal recovery. Can you speak to that? And I don't know if it just happens to be that all of a sudden my Instagram decided to start showing me this or why all of a sudden, it just seems like all of a sudden I'm hearing so much about adrenal fatigue and adrenal reset and recovery and stuff like that. And so can you speak to that and like what it is and then how we can, because I know that everyone, especially after this last year, is just like living on like high stress right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So adrenal, adrenal fatigue is one term, and then it may even be called like something like HPA axis dysfunction, which it might be a little bit less common term, but they're kind of the same thing. And adrenal burnout is kind of the same thing. And basically what it comes down to is there's a couple different levels, but you may be in like a high alert state with your adrenal glands. And those are those little glands that sit on top of your kidneys and they produce some really important hormones like cortisol, they regulate things like aldosterone for your um, blood pressure and your 
um, like water balance in your body. And then also um, other hormones like DHEA that have to do with your stress response as well. So the two things I do functional testing that shows what your adrenal glands are doing as part of my hormone testing. So the two things that I see the most often is that you can either be in this like high alert state where your cortisol is actually really high and you're super stressed out all the time and your body is still pumping out cortisol, just like you were running from a bear 24 hours a day. And the truth is our bodies were not really created to do that because that emergency response was made for emergencies, but with our current lifestyle and definitely this last year, right? Like there's kind of just like a high alert all the time. And our bodies really think we're in an emergency state a lot of the time. So a lot of times what I see is you can either kind of be in that high alert stage or you can still feel stressed the heck out, but have no energy, be exhausted, not really be mounting that cortisol response as well. And your cortisol levels are actually pretty low, even though you still feel stressed and anxious and all the things because your body has somehow discovered there's no way we can be running from a bear at all times at this point. And so there's become <laughs> like, there's just kind of become a disconnect between what your brain tells your adrenals to actually pump out. And that's where we kind of get to the point of where we call it kind of like adrenal fatigue or exhaustion or something like that. And so again, to me, the recovery from that comes back to where can we create safety? Maybe in that phase, you actually really do need extra sleep. Maybe you do need a break from some of the things that are stressing you out or you need extra help. But then really coming back to the, the idea of like really nourishing your body well with food and with the other lifestyle factors that I mentioned and just making sure you're not just like burning yourself out further because I think we can get to this point where we feel really bad, right? And like low and like burned out and be like, well, maybe I need to try intermittent fasting and start working out harder. And then you're just like, your empty tank is just getting drained even further. And so that's where I come back to this idea of like, just really like one thing that I, I really love to use as an analogy actually is like treating your body like you would optimally think is the best case scenario for like when you're growing a baby, like how you really think how before you ever got pregnant, you thought you would treat yourself when you were pregnant, right? Like with all of the love and like all of the nourishment and like taking all the naps and just like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, it's like that first pregnancy. Like I remember getting pregnant and like going to the grocery store and being like, okay, we need to buy all the healthy food now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so, you know, that like pie in the sky picture that you have before you actually do it is different. But just that feeling that you have of like, I am going to take care of myself like a queen for this baby. Starting to get that back a little bit of like, how could I care for myself if I was caring for someone I really, really loved? Like, how would I do this if this was my daughter? How would I do this if this was my son? How would I do this? Like, what would I want for them? Would I want them to be, you know, actually caring for themselves? Well, would I want them to have a little bit of space to like take a breath every once in a while? Those type of things, like coming back to that perspective when we're thinking about caring for ourselves and just remembering that like, it's not selfish to take care of yourself because you are raising humans and they need you and they need you to not be burned out in five years or two years or now because, you know, they've got a ways to go and they need you to be there for them. And so I think that's what it really comes back to with like, I think adrenal fatigue can be a big part of the picture that I've kind of already mentioned of just this big stress cascade that we've gotten ourselves into. And does that ever kind of coincide with secondary infertility that 
you know, you kind of mentioned earlier, do you know what contributes to that or, a, you know, a better way to manage it? Because I know we have a lot of moms that have issues with this. Yeah. You know, infertility is such a big question mark for all health professionals, I think. So it's, it's really hard to say like, okay, well, this is the one thing. But I do believe that all of the things that I've already talked about do contribute. And I do think that, you know, low adrenal function, yes, absolutely. Your body feels too stressed to get pregnant. I think that's absolutely a, a reason that could be contributing. I think not eating enough and your body not feeling safe, like that could be a reason not eating well. But I also see that a lot of times um, thyroid issues can come up and maybe even be like underdiagnosed in infertility. And that can be a really big trigger as well. So if that's not something that's been checked for you, asking for actually a full thyroid panel, because some of the time it's about what the brain is telling the thyroid, which is what is always checked, the TSH. And then sometimes it's about what the thyroid is actually responding, what kind of hormones it's putting out. And then sometimes it's about how your gut and your liver actually activate those thyroid hormones into the ones that your body can use. And so it's like a three-step process to get active thyroid hormones in your body. And if any of those things are not working, you can have low thyroid function or low thyroid hormones in the body without even knowing it. So I think I think thyroid and adrenals can be really huge. And then I, I keep mentioning the gut and the liver, but I think those are really important to come back to too, because a lot of people have gut infections that they don't know about. A lot of people have low liver detoxification that they don't know about. And both of those things can cause a lot of stress on the body because if your liver is not detoxifying well, then you can be keeping a lot of toxins in. And a lot of, a lot of times estrogen imbalances can come from that because your body detoxifies and processes estrogen through the liver. And so you can have high estrogen levels without even producing too much estrogen if it just keeps getting reabsorbed. And so again, like all of these things, I think really play into each other, but just looking at like multiple levels of stressors on the body. I just don't think there's any way that reducing stress in multiple areas wouldn't help your fertility. If that kind of answers your question. Yeah, it really does. You know, you mentioned like a few different tests that people could do. How would someone do that with you? Like, do they have to be local to you to work with you? Or is this something that you could do like virtually and then have these tests drawn another place and mail to you? Or how does this work? Yeah. So I do work with clients all over the US and I've worked with a couple in Canada as well. And so everything I do can be virtual, but I also do work. So I'm in Oklahoma. So I work with people locally here as well. But the, some of the testing that I mentioned, so a few of the tests that I do are blood tests and you go to a lab and get those drawn after they're ordered for you. But generally, most of the tests that I do are actually um, at-home tests. And so they go to a professional lab. They're very high quality, very high, um, very accurate, but they're ones that you can do at home. So when we look at the gut, we do a stool test. When we look at hormones, we do a urine test. We look at minerals sometimes that we can do a hair test for that. So that's how that testing works. And then I actually really, if someone is looking to work with me, I offer a free call and we talk about what's been going on with them. And then I give them a really personalized plan of like, this is how long I think it'll take for us to work on these things together. And this is a testing I recommend for you specifically. So it's not really a one size fits all. It's always very based on like what's physically going on with you, what your history is and what testing we can do at that point. And then we work on the lifestyle factors as well. It's not just like a testing of 
test results appointment and on your way because especially as moms, sometimes we need somebody to really like care for us and teach us what we need to do and just tell us what we need to do and then hold us accountable as well because you know, life happens probably like during the phone call and after. Um, so (laughs) really like having that support I found is a really big game changer versus, you know, going to one appointment and being told probably should be better. And then on your way, six months later, you're kind of like, Oh shoot. (laughs) Right. How? Yeah. I was supposed to do that. Yeah. Shoot. I forgot. Yeah. So before we wrap up here, would you be able to just kind of give our audience some like actionable self-care tips. I keep seeing this meme that's like going grocery shopping by yourself is not self-care. There's like a whole list of ones that's like going to the bathroom by yourself is not self-care. And, you know, like all of these like normal things that we do all the time with an audience, with our children, that it's like, oh, I'm going to let you go to the grocery store by yourself and I'll watch the kids. Then, you know, that's not self-care. So like, what is self-care? Because I feel like a lot of people, myself, at least I should say a lot of people, myself, paint self-care to be like some big lavish, like day at the spa. And you know, what really is it? And like, how can we incorporate it into our daily lives? I love that question. And I think that it's so, such a real question, right? And so as a busy mom myself, I work, I have kiddos, we have like a social life generally sometimes, depending on what year it is. (laughs) And so like there's a lot of things (laughs) going on, right? So what I really like, again, I'm going to come back to this baseline question, but truly like learning to ask yourself what you need, that to me is a huge piece of self-care, but literally asking yourself like every day, you know, what do I need right now? Just taking a breath, taking a second to just like feel your body and think like, man, like, am I stressed out right now? Am I tired? Am I hungry? Do I need to talk to a friend? Do I just need a break? Like, what is it that I actually need? And then not answering that with some like crazy, like, I just need to be on a tropical island with 17 margaritas because for most of us, that's not <laughs> going to happen. Who doesn't that? <laughs> for most of for us real. though, that's not going to happen like that day. So with that being said, I like to do something that's realistic in that moment. Like being able to ask myself, like, what do I need? I'm like, man, I I really do feel tired right now. So do I need to not just like make all of these rash promises that I'm going to go to bed earlier and all the things, but actually like make a plan. Hey, maybe I need to like make dinner a little earlier, get the kids in bed a little earlier, go to bed earlier. Or does that mean like right now in this moment at 3 PM, like Maybe I just need to go stand out on the back porch in the sunshine and like breathe for a couple minutes. Or maybe I need to take the kids for a walk around the block so that I can like sort of get a break and also, you know, move my body a little bit. So I feel a little less tired. Maybe I literally need to drink some water. So like those things, I I know going back to your point of like going to the bathroom by yourself is not self-care. I agree with that for sure. But I think we can also overcomplicate it by wanting it to be like, you know, a massage every time or the tropical Island or whatever. Um, but I think some really basic self-care things, I'll give you some examples, but I actually would love for people listening to this to just make a list of like five things that they love to do and fill their cup. So for me, like reading a novel is self-care reading a novel in the bathtub is really self-care. That's free. I can Mm -hmm. do it at home. Like 
You know what I mean? So it's not that it always needs to be fancy. Going on a walk with a friend, even with our kids, is self-care to me. Or like sitting out in the backyard in the sunshine and letting them play and just letting the dishes do their do nothing in the sink. Like sometimes that is self-care and it's really simple, but just giving yourself grace that you have needs and that you can meet those needs in some way. That to me is really freeing and really can make a difference. And then I absolutely believe in scheduling in monthly, like maybe you get a night off and you go do something by yourself or with a friend or like Maybe you go spend a day with your husband away every couple months or, you know, something like that or something that's just literally by yourself, especially if you're somewhere around your cycle, uh, start somewhere around your period and you just need that time. But I think that we don't always have to overcomplicate it. So really just making a list of like five things that fill your cup and then hopefully scheduling like once a week, even that you give yourself a little bit of time, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's 30 minutes or two hours. And then just having that list as silly as it sounds where you can look at the list and be like, okay, what, what do I need right now? Like, is it a walk? Is it read a book? Is it go to bed early? Or is it like go out by myself? You know, you've got your four things and then you can just ask yourself and do it versus overcomplicating and being like, I don't even know what I want. And I feel guilty about this. And like, the whole spiral that will just make you not do anything but scroll social media and then you feel worse about yourself. Yeah. What about taking a nap? I love to take a nap. Then that's absolutely self-care. If you love it, then do it. But I always feel worse after, like if I yes. take a nap, feel so good to lay down. But when I wake up, I feel like trash. Yeah. You know, I think that that could just be a sign that your body actually really does need more rest. But sometimes just looking at the amount of time that you nap, I think we all have our different amounts of time that we might feel best to nap. But sometimes if you're just super exhausted, then sometimes no matter what you do, you're going to wake up tired. But I know for me, like if I take like a 20 minute nap, 30 minute nap, I can wake up and like get on with my life. But if I nap for an hour or an hour and a half, like sorry about everything. I'm not getting up. (laughs) The kids are going to come in and I'm going to be like, watch a show on the bed and don't get into trouble. Right. Like you just can't get up sometimes. You have to get your sweet spot. Right. Yeah. My naps are like two hours. And so it's like, yeah, if I, I don't know that I can take a 20 minute nap. Like I've even set an alarm for like a 20 minute nap. And then if I like actually fall asleep, like fall asleep, there's no way I'm getting up with that. And I just like hit snooze or just like turn off the alarm and wake up two hours later. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, so just knowing that about yourself and like knowing maybe, maybe you can have a two hour nap every once in a while, but maybe there's going to be another way that you can like serve yourself. And maybe it's even just laying down for a little while and resting and not necessarily napping. Like sometimes that can be reviving as well, but just kind of figuring out what that looks like for you. But you know, I absolutely believe naps are a huge way to care for yourself because you're giving yourself grace that you're a real human, not a robot. You need rest. Like just acknowledging that sometimes is really important. I feel like in summary, a lot of this has to do with getting to know yourself. And I know none of us make ourselves a priority, but Mm -hmm. it's not just, you know, 
self-care. It's, it's getting to know yourself and what you need. Like, how do you recognize what you need when you need it? You know, we all need to make the effort to figure out how our body works cyclically and what we can do to make ourselves feel better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people can answer that question. What do I need? You know, I really like stopping to like ask yourself mm-hmm. that question because I feel like initially my response is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you need? I need all of this to go away. I need the dishes to be done. I need like, you know, this project to be completed. I need the kids to stop crying. I need like people, other people to be doing other things and like, but like reflecting, like, what do I need? What can I do right now to like help? I think, you know, like stopping and really reflecting on that is going to be something that I add in to my life after this. Yeah. I love that. And I'd love for you to tell me how that goes for you too. I'll check, <laughs> I'll check in. I'll check yeah. in in a week yes. or two and see if you've done it. Yes. So Alicia, this has been an awesome, awesome show. And thank you so much for coming on. We're really excited to have you share your wisdom with us and hopefully, you know, help us understand our cycles a little better so that we can use like our, that like use them to our advantage instead of our disadvantage. I love that idea. Yes, absolutely. So where can our listeners get in touch with you? So the best place to get in touch with me, I have two different places is one is my Instagram. That's always an easy way to find me. And my handle there is at abundant.life.wellness, or you can just search my name, Leisha Drews. And I really work hard to share a lot of education about hormones and really just like a lot of real mom life as well. And like how to live your mom life in a way that you're actually going to feel good. So I'd love for you to come over there and then send me a message if you heard this and want to reach out. Um, And then I also have a website and that is linked on my Instagram, but I'll share it here as well. And that's abundant-lifewellness.com. Yeah. And we'll share all that info in our show notes too. So if you want to find Alicia or find one of us, you can just kind of check, scroll down, check below. Perfect. So if someone wanted to work with you, what does that look like? So you said you have a virtual option. You can work with people throughout the whole country and even in Canada. And so like, how, how does that work? Like what would be the best approach? Yeah, absolutely. So the information for that is on both of the sites that I just mentioned. And like I said, I'll, I schedule a free call so that we can get to know each other and you can see if it's really a fit for you. But I have a couple of different program options and what those look like is I, I have options where I'm working with my clients for either three months or six months. And that's kind of my, my base way that I work with people, but I actually have something um, this summer that is more of an intensive and kind of for those mamas who are just like, I need to get some answers and I haven't been getting them. And so that's actually a hormone test. And then we do like a half day intensive, just one-on-one where I analyze everything in your lifestyle. I analyze your hormone results and I give you a plan. And then you have that to go on versus having like a full six month program. So for some of my like action taker mamas, I know that that's an option that they've been wanting. And so I have 
you know, kind of different levels of support with that. But what I always like to start with is just being able to talk to you and hear what's been going on and then share with you, you know, how, which, which testing I think is most appropriate and what we can work on together and what kind of time frame that looks like. I love that. I love that too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And um, everyone, thank you for listening. We are the Scrub Cats and Sippy Cups podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Hey Smart Mamas. You can find us on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Scrub Cats and Sippy Cups. Send us a message either place. We love getting your episode suggestions. And so don't hesitate to reach out and just let us know if you have any ideas for future episodes. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And please, if nothing else, just share this with a friend. Um, we really appreciate it when people share our podcast. And you know, if you know of someone who this could be an, of an interest to, just don't hesitate to share. Thank you. Yeah, and you can follow us all on individually on, on Instagram. I am at STL underscore injector. Lacey is at Ms. Lacey Lee. Yep. And Leisha mentioned hers. What was yours again? It's at abundant.life.wellness. Perfect. Oh, and Ellen is at Ellen Loletta. I, yep. I don't think we mentioned she didn't make it today. She had something come up. I think we mentioned it before her, before we started recording. Yes, Ellen had something come up and she is very close to her due date. And so we will be meeting little one very soon. And so send some positive vibes to Ellen for a safe and healthy delivery. Yes. All right. Thank you, Leisha. We will thank all you so much and learn from your wisdom. Yes. yes. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I've loved chatting tonight. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Bye.